Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown with three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown. You get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at Wilmington and beaches It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Phil Mackey. He's got the body language of a whiner. Judd Zolgad. Every time he opens his mouth, it's a garbage dumpster of crap coming out of it. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Hello out there, we're on the air. It's hockey night tonight. Tension grows, the whistle blows, and the puck goes down the ice. The goalie jumps and the players bump and the fans all go insane. Someone roars, Bobby scores at the good old hockey game. Oh, the good old hockey game is the best game you can With all due respect to many, heck, I suppose including myself, this is the best segment of the week on the Mackey and Judd Show. It's now on me, Darren Doogie Wolfson, Joe Schmidt. To not screw it up, it's Hockey Talk with Lou Nanny. Lou, good morning. Always a pleasure to talk to you. It makes to talk to you guys, Doogie. How you been? I'm doing well. Okay, good. we're at the 10-game mark for the Wild. What is it, four wins, four losses, couple overtime, what, losses or whatever it is, where they got one point. How would you evaluate things so far for the Wild through these 10 games? Well, I'm uh, most, most concerned about the goals against to start with. And uh, they've had signs of scoring but then they've had other times like the last game when they when they couldn't put it in the ocean so it gets uh somewhat disconcerting because four four and two doesn't sound bad but realistically you're almost a tenth of your schedule and you 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 got to start especially in that conference you got to start making some hay and, and getting over 500 because you will be nowhere close to the playoffs at a 500 rate and I know they got the, the injuries, and that's been substantial. And, and uh, obviously, you can't replace those guys. So it's tough. That's what concerns me because uh, you don't know when uh, Priest will ever get back. And you know Coyle's out for at least another month, I'd say. And those are two big factors of the team. And they, they were missing Nita Ryder and they missing Granlin. They, they've had a rocky start. And I want to put a lot of it on, on the injuries, but I also am very concerned that they they got to find ways to cut their goals against them. I mean, is some of it, too, that the Western Conference is maybe even better than a lot of us thought? I mean, you look at Vegas, you look at Vancouver, Colorado is better than a lot of people thought. I mean, you're right. The Western Conference is stacked. Well, we talk about that, Doogie, and then at the same time we say, look at Edmonton, who should be one yeah. of the powers, yeah. and they can't get out of their own way. So what happens when they start playing good? And then, then you got another team that's going to uh, come into the picture, and that's why the Wild and they have a long home stand. They got to win the games they're supposed to win. They should have won against Winnipeg. That's a team you got to beat, even though they're a good team and they got some great forwards. But you got to beat them when you're at home. You got to beat the Canadians tonight. You've got to win those games you're supposed to win because you don't win a lot of games you're not supposed to win. 
Do hey, you mention the goals against Louis? Uh, how would you rate Dubnik's play? He he's obviously somewhat of a streaky goalie, but uh, he, you know, is he playing at the level he played a couple of years ago? Not quite. He's not there yet because he's had. Uh, if you look at his save percentage and and, and also his goals against average, it's not close to where he's at. And uh, he's got to he's got to get to the point where he feels that he's at that point because the last game that he was in, and that's remember, it was two goals in the last three minutes, even though. It was a 6-4 win. It's a 6-2 game, and you don't like to give up goals and come out with another four-goal game against, and, and you don't feel comfortable when you got that. You, you've got you've to start getting around the two goals against average and, and uh, below because uh, other teams in the league are doing it, and every game that you play, you know it's going to be tough to score goals. So you, every time you give up one, especially if it's an easy goal, you've got to get two to win. And that's a tough task. And you mentioned it earlier, and I saw Boudreaux was emphasizing it too that they got to win at home. You know, I was at Saturday night's game, and the place was full. I mean, the atmosphere is so good there that they they've got to take advantage of what they have because it's not like that in every arena in the NHL. Yeah, and you know, you you like to say that it's early in the season, but the points count just as much as the end of the season. You know how difficult it is to get points at the end of the season, so. You always want to get yourself a nice little cushion, and that's what they did last year so well. They had a great cushion, they had a great start, and they they just kept rolling. They remember they went into a somewhat of a funk late February and, and March, but they had such a cushion it didn't matter. Now, when you don't have the cushion, you can't afford any soft spots later in the year, and we don't even know what's going to happen. The injuries going on. They've already had a substantial amount of injuries, and you don't know if that's going to. And or you're going to continue to have some throughout the year. Can you take me through, Louie? Maybe you can, maybe you can't. But what Matt Dumba was thinking with that boneheaded play on Tuesday night? Well, uh, you know, they, they get, if you've watched all the teams in the league now, they're, they're into this drop passing, come out of their own zone, especially on the power play. That That's a set play that they all use. They, they let teams line up across the blue line, so they let the last guy coming up. They drop in the puck, and he, he, he picks and chooses where he wants to go and how to get it in. Well, even though they weren't in a power play, Dumba thought, I, I, in my mind, I, he thought he was going to do the same play and just drop it to to uh, Granlin. But there's five on five now. There's not four on five, on five where the forwards are already pulled out of the zone. So when he dropped that, Ehlers was right there, and he just took it and walked right in. And you got to concentrate on those things. I mean, maybe it's recency bias. I mean, I might be completely nuts in even suggesting this, Louie, but would you rather have Alex Tuck and Eric Kala at this point than Matt Dumba? Well, at this point, I'd rather have Scandella than Dumba. Yeah. <laughs> the other two aren't aren't defensemen. You need the defensemen. But, I mean, Mike Riley is playing pretty good hockey right now, yeah, right? but, you know, he's young, and Mike's playing very well, and he's going to fit right in there. It's going to keep developing. No, what I'm and what I'm saying essentially is your top four defensemen got to be really good defensive defensively, and he is Dumbas got great skills and he's got the opportunity to develop into an excellent offensive defenseman. Louis, but let's, one thing you have to do is be play defense first in your own zone. Uh, let's switch over to college hockey for a second, Louis. Of course, we've seen Casey Middlestadt coming from Eden Prairie. I mean, just doing some amazing things. Now he's playing for the Gophers. How good is he? He is tremendous, and I, what concerns me most is uh, he's going to have a terrific year. He's already having a terrific year. And and kids get anxious and teams get anxious, and what concerns me most is 
he's going to be one and done because when you look at where Buffalo is right now, they're they're floundering and they need talent. And and when you got the kind of skill that Middlestead's got, many times teams will rush you into coming into the NHL when it'd probably be good for him to stay two years, you know, in, in college and develop his strength and, and, and maturity because there's no question at all that this kid's got a, a offensive talent that is – you know, in the upper echelon, he, he's he's going to be a, a wonderful pro player as well. You mentioned Buffalo. How much of a leash does uh, Phil Housley have? Well, I can't say that it's going to be a short one. You know, they uh, that's a good question, Joe, because you don't know the owner. Uh, it all depends on the owner sometime and how impulsive they get and how much money they got and how willing they are to make changes. But I would think he's got a, a much longer lease because uh, – even though he's a new coach, you've got a lot of new players there, and you can't put it all on the coach. It takes time for some of these kids to learn how to play in the National League. And I think that that's something that I would feel that they're going to give them uh, extra time to develop because uh, you got some. That, that's a young team. they got some skill, but, but they got a ways to go to develop how to play. One player who hasn't taken long to figure things out in the National Hockey League as we bounce all around here, is Luke Cunning of the Wild. How good is Luke Cunning, Louie? You know, uh, Doogie, uh, I just like him more and more All I, every time I see him. And, and I think the main reason is because this guy's got the competitive level that you like to see people have and the intensity. And it's not that everybody doesn't have it. He's just got it at a different level. And uh, what, I don't know. You can sometimes just look out at the ice and see some players and say, that guy's really driven. And when you look at Cullen, he's really driven. He not only has got skill, he plays bigger than his size, and his intensity never stops. He, he's he got the kind of motor that Parisi's got. And and I, I wish that he gets the opportunity to play with Parisi because Zach, the way he plays, he'll show Luke, not that Luke needs it, but that you never take a second off. And, and this kid is, uh, they, they made a real good pick with him. You predicted the Parisi surgery, right, Louie? I mean, you yeah. saw this coming from miles away. Yeah, I would, I, you know, I just wish he would have had it a lot earlier because you never like to have surgery with the back. And so when you get a back injury, you always wait and you come back and you try it. But once you try it and you see that there's a reoccurrence, then you know that this could be chronic and it could go on and on. And and in this instance, it wasn't a you know, a major, major type back surgery from what I, I learned. It, uh, it, it's always serious to operate in the back, but it wasn't that difficult a surgery or a thing to get done. So you're not as concerned about, uh, you know, the results afterwards. You know he's going to be fine. So you wish that it would have been done earlier. Do you, do you know some guys who have come back from back surgery and, and went on to play for years yet? Well, I, I, you know, I can't name off my head, but I do know of the situation happening that there were a lot of guys, and and I, I, you know, I, I guess you know, as I was saying, Joe, there's different levels of it. Yeah. And and from and I don't want to see who the doctor was and who it was, but I did talk to someone, and this is this is not a major one, so that's really comforting to know that Zach should come back and should come back very healthy and play very well. I have a theory that hockey players sometimes are their own worst enemies because the natural mentality in the room is that you have to be tough, you got to play through it, and in this case, it probably hurt Zach. You're right. I, I, I'd have to say that that's dead on because 
Zach will try and play through anything, as you said, most hockey players do. But you have to remember there's different type of injuries, and I don't think that uh, you know when when you get the back injury that it's the same type of injury. It's something that you can say, well, I'm going to play through. It's going to go away, and it won't bother me much because backs are the worst. I think it's the worst injury. You just you just can't have a back injury in play because you you do so there's so much torque and you do so much physical twisting and turning with your body, and especially the way he plays in the corners and. You're just not going to be able to get away from it. A couple final points with Lou Nanny. Louie, back to college hockey. Who is the best college hockey team that resides in Minnesota? And I guess, you know, that's a roundabout way for me to get to the St. Cloud State Huskies. Yeah. I was up there a couple <laughs> weeks ago. I mean, whether it's Jimmy Schultz, the defenseman from Minnetonka, you know, Ryan Paling, first-round pick, speaking of the Montreal Canadiens being in town, Montreal first-round pick. St. Cloud State has a bunch of really good players. They are tough, and they they are going to be uh, one of the teams to beat for the NCAA title. And I'm really looking forward to when the Gophers and St. Cloud play because uh, I, I think overall the Gophers are a little younger. They're, they're very skilled. they got a lot of speed. I, I like their team, but they're in a maturing process. And, and they do play later on, so it gives them some time to grow. But though... Those two teams, when they play, it should be an outstanding series. And St. Cloud right now, I think, is, I think they're as good a team as there is in the country. So it's going to be a good test for the Gophers. I mean, Mankato is ranked, what, 9? Duluth, yeah. who St. Cloud State plays this weekend, is in the top 10? I mean, the state is stacked right now. The state is stacked. And that's why I say that sometimes I wish that they would just steal some of the teams and put them right in the Big Ten and... <laughs> and make it even a better conference, although I think it's very good right now with the addition of Notre Dame. I would like to still see a couple of teams added, and I don't know if that ever could be done. And because of registration requirements, et cetera, and students getting in school, but I personally would like them to go and steal a couple of teams like North Dakota, Duluth, St. Cloud, whatever, and and have uh, a conference that nobody else can, can compare with. Uh, Doogie mentioned Shunt from... Uh from Minnetonka, he is going to be a free agent because he hasn't been drafted. He's a junior this year. How many teams are going to go after him, and, and how rich a young man is that guy going to be? Well, 31 teams are going to go after him. And I've watched him play since his uh, high school in Minnetonka, and he just keeps developing and growing, and he's really, really blossomed into a wonderful player. He played extremely well in the juniors, too, where I saw him. And uh, as far as being rich, he's not going to be the rich right away because they do have a cap on which you can pay the the players coming out free agents, and it's the same as the first round pick, and that means that they would get about uh, two hundred eighty-five thousand as a bonus to sign over three years, and they'll get nine hundred twenty-five thousand dollars to play in the majors every year, and they'll have a seventy thousand dollars minor league contract. By, by the way, I know why you like him. He has uh, at ten points in five games, and he's a defenseman. He's one of those defensemen yeah. that wants to be a forward, right? Like you used to. Well, I, you know, he doesn't <laughs> carry the puck as much as I used to. He, he gets a lot of his goals. Uh, he's got a great shot from the point, and he moves the puck very well. But he doesn't rush the puck as much. But uh, he can really shoot the puck. And on a power play, he's extremely effective. He. he he was great last year, and he's getting even better this year. And uh, the, the power play of St. Cloud, I don't know if you remember seeing it last year, you guys, but boy, oh boy, the, the way they move the puck around, the shots that they get, uh, they pick up a lot of points on that. Hey, I've got a quick question for you. Uh, when you were playing defense, you guys still had straight six, sticks, right? Right. 
How much of a better shot would you have been had they had the technology and had done the curve sticks back then? Well, I, you know, it came in 72 when I was with the North Stars. After about my fourth year, fifth year with the North Stars, it came in. And, and uh, <laughs> well, we, we could shoot it harder. But the thing about shooting the puck with a curved stick, uh, in practice, Gump used to, when I'd go in on him, he used to put his glove over his head because I'd shoot it so high, you know. So, <laughs> those curved sticks used to really, really elevate the puck. And I'll never forget, uh, I used to love blocking shots. And it's all a sense of time. And if you block it at the wrong time, like Magnuson did or Barry Ashby did, you end up with a broken jaw. Well, I went down on Bobby Hull one time when he's coming down the ice, I dropped for a block. And I thought he was close enough to me where it couldn't elevate. But he, at that time, Joe, they just came out. So you had a two-and-a-half-inch curve minimum he had. You know, and eventually went to half-inch. Well, that puck was, went up like an elevator shaft. And the next thing I know, I got hit right in the top of my shoulder pad, right below my Adam's apple. And I said, that's the last time I'll ever fall to block a shot on Hull. Because, <laughs> I mean, that was unbelievable. <laughs> Good Louis, stuff. thank you. Storytime with Lou Nanny is the best. Thank you, Louis. Thanks, guys. Thanks yeah. talking to you. See ya. Lou yeah. Nanny on every Thursday at 10 o'clock. The, the best. best segment of the week on the Mackie and Judd Show. Love Louis. Love him to death. Absolutely. When we come back, Joe, we'll transition from hockey to the Wolves. We'll talk basketball. The Wolves won again last night. We'll do a segment on the Wolves. It's the Mackie and Judd Show. Those guys are out. It's Darren Doogie Wolfson. It's Joe Schmidt. It's 1500 ESPN. Now the team's line up for the kickoff. Referee blows his whistle. Mackie and Judd now continue. And the game is on. On 1500 ESPN. I thought our bench was terrific. Uh, I thought Gorgie came in, cat with the early foul trouble. I uh, thought Belly played great off the bench. Jamal, Tyus, that was important for us, an important stretch of the game. That the voice of Wolves boss, head coach Tom Thibodeau. The Wolves win again last night in New Orleans. They are now, what is it overall, 5-3. Five and one with Jimmy Butler. If the playoffs started today, that would be one heck of a story if the playoffs somehow started today. <laughs> yeah, that's early, man. With about seven games early. to go. But the three seed Wolves would take on the <laughs> six seed Ricky Rubio led Utah Jazz. Hey, did you happen to see somebody, I think it was in the paper today, did a uh, comparison between Rubio and Teague? And their numbers are almost identical. Almost. Yeah, although, did you see the Utah boxer? You probably didn't. I wouldn't blame you. Utah, I don't remember who they played last night. I flipped around. I think it was Portland. Ricky Rubio last night had something like 28, 29, 30 points with one assist. It was like the goofiest Ricky Rubio stat line I've ever seen. He's actually playing well, though, for Utah. He's becoming LeBron James. (laughs) (laughs) I'll tell you what, though. I miss his defense. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? He, I like him. I'm a Rubio guy. And he had one or two passes a game that made you kind of get out of your seat. So, yeah. so, and you know, he was a he was a good egg on top of it. He was not bad in the locker mm-hmm. room. He was he was good in the community and and things like that. So, when you when you trade a guy like that or get rid of a guy like that, um, there's something. I understand the Teague move, and the Teague move is 100 percent for the last two minutes of the game. Absolutely, yes. Where he can also play off the ball. I mean, we saw it last night. Jimmy Butler, the end one. I mean, we've seen Wiggins at the end of games handling the ball. You know, we'll see Butler handle the ball at the end of games more and more. Where Teague can play off the ball, move better than Rubio without the ball, you know, knock down the occasional outside shot more so than Rubio. I completely get the Teague signing. And Teague, for the most part, ever since the Spurs game, his defense on Murray in that Spurs game was atrocious. It was so bad, his on-ball defense. But really, since that Spurs game, 
Teague has been fine. I'm just saying, though, I really like Rubio, so I yeah. miss him. Yeah, I do too. Uh, but how about that match? I mean, uh, yeah. we had the soundbite coming out with Tibbs. You know, if he can get that production out of his bench, he will trust his bench, which will give him a chance to take a few minutes away from his stars. Is he capable? I don't know. Well, <laughs> put it this way: if his in bench, theory, it sounds great. If his bench played like that every night, he would have to. Yes, I don't think they're capable of playing quite to that level. But I will say, this is the Wolves' best bench. In a number of years. I'd have to go back many, many years. Maybe the last Dwayne Casey team going back nine or ten years. This is a good bench because I think Nemanja Bielitsa should play more. Jamal Crawford might lose them a game or two, but he's already won them one game, the Utah game. You know, he made some shots again last night. Everybody knows Jamal's my guy. You know, so there's a bias there. I think Jamal yeah. is an individual. I've gotten to know him pretty well over the last handful of years. A-plus person, so I will always root for Jamal. I will always defend Jamal. But he's been fine so far. How about Tyus Jones? I mean, I thought when they signed Aaron Brooks. Talk about him. You know, I thought when they signed Aaron Brooks, his history with Tibbs, I thought Aaron signed here for a reason that he would play. So much for Aaron Brooks playing because Tyus Jones has beaten him out for that backup point guard spot. And and who would have predicted that a couple of years ago? I mean, because there there were some people that thought, you know, flip traded up to get Tyus Jones, and a lot of thought a lot of people thought that was just getting the local boy back home. But uh, Flip obviously saw something in him. And the one thing you can say about Tyus that a lot of basketball players wish they had is put the guy, put the ball in the kid's hands when you need to make a play. He, he's a playmaker. And it might even just be a pass. But right. he is a really good decision maker, especially when the pressure is the greatest. Yeah. I'm with you. I mean, It goes back to, goes back to high school. Yeah, I mean, he maybe it's the cliche, but he's got college. that winning gene, right? Yeah. Whatever the it factor is, however we want to quantify it, Tyus Jones, in many ways, with his physical limitations, has it. I don't know if he'll ever be a starter in the NBA, but I think he's a very capable backup for the next 10 years. Well, I mean, the the problem is, right, is defensive liabilities just because of matchup issues. If he gets matched up against a, a bigger, stronger guard, he's in trouble. How about Cat last night? Carl Anthony Towns doesn't score until like four minutes left. Like, if you had said, okay, they're on the road in New Orleans, a team... I don't think they're a playoff team, but they have some guys on that roster. Anthony Davis, Boogie Cousins, Drew Holiday. They probably miss Rondo right now, but they have some capable players. If you had told me yesterday morning, Carl Anthony Towns doesn't score until four minutes left in the game, yet the Wolves win, I would have said, what, huh? You're nuts. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, he was 22 points under his average because he's averaging 24 points a game. He scores two points. The two points he scored were big. Jimmy Butler missed a shot, and he went up and slammed it home. But we talked about it in the very beginning of the show. It was almost as if he was a little intimidated out there with Davis and Cousins and and some of the other guys on the court for New Orleans. I think he was intimidated. I don't know if it's a Kentucky thing. You know, just really good forwards going at him, making him play defense. I mean, this is stating the obvious, but it's pretty clear that Carl Anthony Towns has a long way to go on the defensive end. I mean, we always talk about Andrew Wiggins, his defensive liabilities. Carl Anthony Towns is as bad a defensive player as Andrew Wiggins. Let me ask you this, um, and I think this might be something to watch. Uh, as much positive as we can say about Jimmy Butler, he has taken over that locker room, right? Yes. Yeah, okay, so he, he's he's now the alpha dog mm-hmm. in the locker room. Last year, Cat was a little bit in that position. I mean, and this year, Butler's telling, I'm sure Butler's on his case when he doesn't play defense. Oh, absolutely. So, so I'm just wondering... Is there a whether it's a, a confidence rub or whether it's a chemistry thing? Just something I think maybe to keep an eye on. Maybe then Jimmy has Taj Gibson, who has some alpha dog in him, 
in terms of being a leader, certainly not on the court production-wise, although Taj was was good last night, but Jimmy and Taj have the history in Chicago, so Jimmy has a backing there. It's not just Jimmy Solo going at these young guys, going at the whole team. He's got Taj in his corner saying the same exact thing. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's something to keep an eye on. I also think, and I've talked to Sam Mitchell about this, Carl Anthony Towns is one of those guys that you can pretty much mother bleep left and right. You can scream at him. Zach Levine was the same way. You can ride Carl Anthony Towns into the ground. He's pretty much bring it on. He's pretty much, He yeah. cannot be intimidated. With Andrew Wiggins, yeah, there's a sensitive side there to a degree. I think Wiggins you have to be careful on to a degree, although I think he's grown in that area. But I'm just telling you, with Carl Anthony Towns, you can ride him really, really hard. He won't back down. You know, if and a, he's a good listener. If a guy wanted to, to hear more from you and Sam Mitchell, where would he turn to? <laughs> I mean, you've made it an hour and a half without mentioning your podcast. Are you shocked? Once. I mean, yeah. I guess we had four built-in guests, plus we figured we could kill a segment or two. What, what do you think, Harrigan? We made, we made it an hour and a half without him mentioning his podcast. How shocked are you, Dave, by the way, that I didn't book Sam Mitchell for the show today? Well, I figured Sam, we might get, uh, well, Jamal Crawford for sure. He's Correct. only been on, what, a half a dozen times since he's been in town? Uh, uh, Thad Levine was available. I think <laughs> those are my guys. Absolutely. I somehow resisted all these guests, all my guys. I somehow said, you know what? Collar, Scoggins, Nanny, Maggio, talking with Joe, talking with Dave. We've got enough for a four hour stint. But you ought to go back to those guys and get them on a show people listen to. <laughs> oh, gosh. All right. So the Wolves are back in action when? It's this weekend. They have that home and home. Well, it would just be two consecutive home games. It wouldn't be a home-and-home. Home. It's not like they're traveling to Dallas after the game Saturday. They play Dallas Saturday, Charlotte Sunday. You look at the schedule, the upcoming schedule, they have a chance to create some separation. Heck, it's goofiness across the league right now, though. Like, you look at the Cavs, how discombobulated they are. You know, the Warriors, they've got some warts early in the season, although in the end, the Warriors will be fine. But I'm just saying, you look at the landscape in the West, you know, Memphis is popping up. I got J.B. Bickerstaff with the Grizzlies. Memphis is better than a lot of people thought. Philadelphia goes to Houston the other day, even minus Chris Paul. Philadelphia wins in Houston. I'm still of the belief, give it 20 to 25 games. Let's see where we're at, like mid to late December. I think but this thing will even itself out. Go back to what Louis said. You know, they, they count the same now as they do in February and March. And, and if you can get yourself a few more wins than you normally have, that when you start playing more of the Western Conference teams, I mean, that's the thing. They better beat up on the East every time they get a chance because the West, is there a gimme in the West? I mean, they're really... I mean, I would argue Phoenix, although ever since they told Eric Bledsoe to go home, Phoenix has played well. The Lakers are playing relatively well. Sacramento, my guy Dave Yeager, yeah, maybe Sacramento. Yeah, but, but anyway, there's, put it this way, if you're playing in the West, there's, it's a tough night every night. It is. That's where even, you could argue, the two early season wins against Oklahoma City... You know, as you look at the Western Conference standings, if you care about winning the Northwest Division, you know, you think about those two wins, you know, Wiggins, the buzzer beater, then the close game here where the Wolves win. I mean, those two wins could have a big factor when it comes to playoff seeding here in four or five months. Hey, they're winning close games. And and when is the last time we could say that about the Wolves? Not last year. No, that's for sure. I mean, think about it. I mean, last year, I mean, I saw the stat last night. Somebody tweeted it. In their first six games last year where it was close clutch situations, there's different ways to define close clutch. But the point is they were 0-6 in their first six games in that regard. This year, 5-1, and and one could argue the Spurs game maybe wasn't clutch or close, but I guess the way they define it, it is. So 5-1 and versus 0-6. So, yeah, I mean, you think about that turnaround. 
I still think they're like a 47, 48 win team. Maybe they get to 50. They're on pace right now for 51 or 52. That means they're in the playoffs. That's all we want, right? Yeah. I mean, after 13 consecutive years, it's hard to fathom when eight of 15 teams make the playoffs in the West that you've missed the playoffs 13 consecutive years. That's all we want. Just give us playoff basketball. But just think about it. This spring, the Gopher hockey or the Gopher basketball team should make a run to the Sweet 16. Mm-hmm. You know, the Timberwolves should be in the playoffs, maybe even win a playoff round, depending on how they get seeded. The Wild have to come back, but the Wild, obviously, they're not going to be satisfied unless they get to the Western Conference Finals. And then you've got, you know, go for hockey with enough talent to make the Final Four. Go for women's hockey is also always there. You know, you've really got potentially a crazy spring. Yeah, then you think about the Lynx, you think about Gophers volleyball. Heck, what about the Vikings, right? I mean, in a weird way, the Astros winning the championship last night, you know, their first championship, they've been around since the early 60s. You think about the Vikings, they've been around since when? The early 60s. Mm-hmm. They haven't won a championship in a weird, you know, goofy sort of way. You know, the Astros winning last night maybe offers some Vikings fans hope that, hey, this franchise that hadn't done it before, did it? Maybe it's our turn. Maybe it's our turn this February. You know what might be a, a stranger than uh, than you not mentioning your podcast in an hour and a half? We haven't mentioned the Vikings quarterback situation in an hour and a half. You're right. We'll get to it eventually. In okay. fact, I think we'll get to it maybe straight up 11 a.m. But when we come back, stuff you should know about. Dave Harrigan is like, hey, what are these guys doing? This is my segment. I lead this segment. They have no idea how to manage the clock. They're late. What is going on? They're taking away from my voice time. You know, my airtime, my ego is being impacted. So we'll give Dave Harrigan the floor when we come back. It's the Mackie and Judd Show. Darren Doogie Wolfson, Joe Schmidt in today. Mackie and Judd now continue. I think all the pieces are there. On 1500 ESPN. And stuff you should know about is sponsored by Indeed.com. Are you hiring? Join the over 3 million businesses that use Indeed.com for hiring. Post your next job opening on the world's number one job site, Indeed.com. In sports, there's a lot of stuff you should simply be aware of. There was stuff going on that no one talked about. Pretty heavy stuff. Let me show you some stuff. I don't do that stuff no more. This stuff can give you brain damage. And then there's the stuff you should know about. Lots of great stuff. This is the fun stuff. I love this stuff. Good stuff. Man, this stuff's good. This is that kind of stuff. I want to check that stuff out. Mackie and Judd now continues. This is very serious stuff we're talking about here. With stuff you should know about. I want to know. All right, Dave, you're the boss. Darren Doogie Wolfson, Joe Schmidt in for Mackie and Judd. It's a tradition unlike any other. It's Vikings bye week. So those guys are on vacation until early next week, so we are in. But Dave is here. Dave rarely takes vacation. It's your segment, Dave, so lead the way. Let's do it. Let's start with the coach to the east in the NFL, Mike McCarthy. What do we think of him now? A couple weeks ago, the day after Aaron Rodgers' shoulder injury, you remember he was asked by the media, hey, what do you think about Colin Kaepernick? And oh, he yeah, didn't, yeah, yeah. Uh, didn't appreciate the an- or that question. Did you just listen to that question I just answered? Okay, I got three years invested in Brett Huntley, two years invested in Joe Callahan. The quarterback room is exactly where it needs to be, okay? We're fortunate to have a great quarterback in Aaron Rodgers. We're committed to the path that we're on. We need to play better as a football team. And Brett Huntley, he'll be, he'll be starting this week, and Joe Callahan will be the backup. Yeah, loved his quarterbacks. And then Ian Rappaport's uh, report yesterday that uh, right before Brian Hoyer signed with the Patriots, the Packers came in and tried to steal him away, old Brian Hoyer. <laughs> well, that just tells you that uh, in the NFL, it's all about winning. And Brian Hoyer gives the, would have given the Packers a better chance to win than Humbling. Let's face it. Yeah, I mean, I guess the narrative changed over the last couple weeks. 
Mike McCarthy actually saw Hundley play. And actually, I like him to a degree. And but he, he saw had, him play. So, hey, he saw him play and he said, yeah, let me see if I can get Brian Hoyer. And Hoyer has yet to kneel in the national anthem so NFL teams can sign him. Correct. Yes. <laughs> yes. Trust me, the Packers want nothing to do with that controversy. Also, it's a reminder, Joe, Journalism 101. Why is this person lying to me? Yeah. Ah, uh, we all know the slogan. Better ingredients, better pizza, better football. Papa John's. We talk about Papa John's pulling ads, their stock prices tumbling. Papa John himself is ticked off at the NFL because all the anthem protests he claimed have cost him business, being that they are a major sponsor of the NFL. However... We have this, which is interesting, from the Wall Street Journal. A a recent HBO Real Sports Marist poll showed that 84% of Trump supporters believe that NFL should require players to stand for the anthem. Only 27% of Democrats would hold that view. Yet, hmm, we have this. The Wall Street Journal has a uh, did a little uh, data data compilation. Is that the word? Compilation. Mm Mm-hmm. Analyzing data from 13.5 million smart TVs across the country. Through seven weeks, the share of TVs tuning into NFL games was down 8.7% on average in the red states. Blue states, however, down 10%. Democratic states losing more viewership than the Trump-supporting states. Hmm. What do we buy? What what do you put the, uh, the ratings drop into? I put it on that the ratings were so doggone high... And off the charts that, yes, has has the national anthem had an impact? Yes. Uh, 10%? I don't think so. Um, You know, and and Papa John's, they they can blame anything they want. Maybe people actually tried to taste that pizza and said, even for five bucks, this is crap. (laughs) Yeah, let's hope Papa John's isn't a 1500 ESPN sponsor. I was thinking along the same lines. I I don't think they are. But I was trying to choose my words carefully. Yeah. I don't think you're off base, Joe. I'm a pizza connoisseur, and I'll tell you, when crap is crap, that's crap. (laughs) What about just, speaking of crap, how about the product? I mean, not at all times, but think about some of these Thursday night games. Is it possible the on-field product isn't as good as it has been in years past? No, there's no question. Although, what was the Thursday night game a few weeks ago? It was like the best game of the year. Philly Carolina was pretty good a few Thursdays ago. Yeah, that was fantastic. Oh, Oakland and Kansas City. Yeah. Yes, yeah, that was yeah, a very good game. Yeah. I just remember I just remember Thursday night we always have the game on in the sports office and I was like, "Holy smokes, this is a good game." <laughs> Jets Bills tonight. Can't wait. What oh, else you got, Dave? Jets Bills. Yuck. Ah, <laughs> uh, let's go with Steve Kerr and Steph Curry. They know who they would like to vote for for the next presidential election and he happens to be coaching on the other bench tonight. All these jokes about that. Papa is presidential, I truly would vote for Papa. Like, he would make a great president. He, he actually would. So, all jokes aside, I'd vote for him. He's great for the NBA. He'd be even better for the country, probably. What do you think? Greg Popovich for president. I mean, he's got a military background, right? He's, what, in his mid to late 60s? So, he's experienced a lot of life. He's always been well-spoken on political issues. I have no problem with Greg Popovich making a run at the uh, the presidential office. And I think, really, to put him over the top, what he should say is at halftime of every cabinet meeting, he'll have somebody do an interview with him because that would make him my pick for president alone just to get those halftime cabinet interviews. He was pretty good, though, the other day with Jeff Van Gundy. You know, I mean, if he's got Very somebody good. he really respects, you know, they're going back and forth and 
You know, he's like, these guys are finally listening to me, Jeff. You know, they're finally listening to what I'm saying. You know, he was actually engaged, you know, but yeah, that's his bit. You know, after the first quarter, the third quarter. I mean, we'll see it tonight, I'm sure, if it's yeah. David Aldridge or some other TNT reporter. We'll see it tonight. By the way, tonight on TNT, Lindsey Whalen, Area 21, with Kevin Garnett. Wow. Two Minnesota basketball legends, one who could make a big shot and one who couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can't say he couldn't. He just didn't want to try. There really. you go. There yeah, you go. Times, yeah. yeah, he deferred. He, he looked he said, for hey, Doogie's guy, Sam, in the corner for a while. Correct. Latrell, take this shot. <laughs> Wally, take this shot. Yeah, Sam. Cassell, Sam Mitchell, any number of Sams. Take the shot. I don't want to take the shot. But yeah, that will be must-see TV. All right, when we come back, a quick take on the Gophers men's basketball team. They open up at least publicly exhibition play. They did play Creighton a couple weeks ago in a secret scrimmage. But tonight at Williams Arena, Concordia, St. Paul. So we'll go quickly on Gophers men's basketball. Then we'll get into the Vikings at 11 a.m. Doogie, Joe Schmidt. It's the TCL Broadcast Studios here on 1500 ESPN. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. A pair of uh, performers that are very high energy, very colorful, and ready to entertain the masses. So I present to you Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Show your gratitude this Veterans Day at O'Gara's with 1500 ESPN and CenturyLink. Garage Logic will be broadcasting live from O'Gara's in St. Paul next Friday, November 10th from 1 to 3, powered by CenturyLink. During the broadcast, all veterans are invited to enjoy a free meal and 25% of sales will be donated to local military charities serving our troops. More details at 1500ASPN.com keyword events. It's Darren Doogie Wolfson. It's Joe Schmidt from the 5 Eyewitness News Sports Department in for the vacationing. Mackie and Judd. Joe got some FaceTime with Rick Spielman yesterday. I'm sure it was riveting. We'll get to that at 11 a.m. But let's kill a couple minutes on Gophers men's basketball. Joe, what is it? It's one NCAA win in the last... 20 years, right? Going back to 97. Yeah. Right? It was against Shabazz Muhammad in UCLA. Tubby's final win as Gophers coach. In Milwaukee. They then lose to, was it Milwaukee? No, I think it was somewhere south. It was was a late game. It was like a Friday 9.50 game. Was it? I feel like it was on the West Coast. Regardless. Okay, all right. So they beat Shabazz in UCLA, then they lose to Florida, then Tubby was fired. That is the only NCAA win in the last 20 years. That's going to change Knock this year. Knock on whatever, right? Maintain health. That should change this year, right? You would think it would change this year. They have so much talent. You know, when you've got Isaiah Washington right now not in the starting lineup, and everything we've seen, everything we've read about him is he's going to be probably the Big Ten freshman of the year. At yeah. least one of them. Michigan yeah. State's got some guys. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he'll be in the mix. I mean, he is that good. Yes. And eventually, I think he starts. Then you can move Nate Mason off the ball. But, yeah, at least to start the year, Dupree McBrayer off the ball, Nate Mason on the ball. But, yeah, I mean, they have depth, even minus Eric Curry. I will say this much, though. They will miss Eric Curry. He is a good player. Yeah, they, they will miss him. Here's the big question I have. Will Rick Pitino be as visible watching his son Richard or maybe even more visible now that he has a bunch of time on his hands? If you are Richard, if you are Mark Coyle, do you want him to be visible? No. No, no right? I, I so don't I think, think so. I think that's the answer. Yeah. I mean, maybe he's around in the background. He comes in for his one or two annual trips, but that's about it. I don't think you want him visible. I really don't. Yeah, and he obviously probably doesn't want want to be too visible either. And unless, you know, we've got pretty good lie detector stuff here. <laughs> All right. Well, that would be fantastic.